0: A Z of Doctor Who by Ian Martin, episode J. Jagra-fess. Of the holy hadrojasic Maxa Rodenfo brackets the mighty close brackets. My favourite favourite part of a writer's tale by Russell T. Davis reads simply thus Fabulous How marvellous totally stitched Simon Pegg up with that line of dialogue How marvellous Kell haven't laughed so much since Billy Piper's first attempt at Raxacorico Phallopatorius. Must email Benjamin Cook. Ho, 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 Hmm. Janus Thorns. Not only the secret weapon used in Leela's deadly blowpipe on many a foe during her time on Doctor Who, but ironically Janice Thorns was also a school dinner lady when I was a kid who used to confiscate your toys, ring the bell five minutes early to tell you off even when it was Peter Walton's fault, and it was also rumoured she once ate a baby. Jelly babies. It's only with the benefit of hindsight that we realise having an oddly-dressed itinerant weirdo handing out sweets to all and sundry, a lot of them children, was both highly problematic and at the same time totally in keeping with the culture at the BBC in the 1970s. Jenna Louise Coleman. Bafflingly, opinion is as divided over Jenna Coleman as it is over any other Doctor Who companion. But just for the record, I for one very definitely would. Jennifer Spoon. Jennifer Spoon, as portrayed by the actress Chloe Annette, was the companion in 1992's Season 29, alongside the Eighth Doctor portrayed by John Nettles, appearing in the story Revenge of the Evil of the Attack of the Daleks, a tale of alien incursion and preposterously camp rural murder. A newspaper journalist or something from Midsummer Madrigal, Spoon helps the Doctor overcome not only his oldest foes from Scarrow, but also a burgeoning predilection for eating all the pies. She travelled alongside Nettles' Doctor until the end of the following season, when the show was cancelled. Annette is very rarely asked to attend conventions or speak about her time on the show because, of course, the BBC has still resolved to pretend that seasons 27 to 30 never happened. And, of course, all of us Brits have had to sign a non-disclosure agreement to promise not to tell any of the overseas fans of the show um, about the existence of this era. Um, this, this show doesn't get streamed anywhere outside of the UK, does it? JNT, from The Secret Diary of John Nathan Turner, aged 31 and three quarters. My first day as full-blown, bona fide producer of Doctor Who. I spoke to the head of drama about the possibility of moving on to pastures new, but he told me I really had no choice but to stay on the programme for another year. So it was pick yourself up, dust yourself down, and on with the show. A lot of the scripts seem, to my mind, to be lacking pizzazz. Certainly, The Leisure Hive and Megloss needed some zap added to them. I suggested to the script editor he might want to look at dropping Terence Dix's story, State of Decay, in favour of one that I'd penned myself, along with the help of my vague colleague, and certainly not boyfriend, Gary Downey. Our story... Doctor Who and the Beanstalk Castle of Ugly Sisters, was, I felt, just right for the Saturday tea-time variety slot Doctor Who inhabited, but Bidmead had the temerity to suggest it wasn't in keeping with the tried and tested format of the show. I gritted my teeth and asked him to elaborate. Saturday tea-time. One companion. 25-minute episodes. "'largely eschewing naval gazing continuity fests. "'Credible actors in the lead role. "'Regular viewing audiences of ten million. "'You know,' Bidmead said, "'the cornerstones of the show, "'the things that just can't be messed with.' "'I see,' I replied. "'Well, we'll soon see about that.' My second task was to conduct interviews for the role of the classic foe, The Master, which I had decided, in something of a masterstroke, to bring back, but in a new, revitalised form. I'd whittled down my wish list to four names. Christopher Biggins, Tommy Cooper, Leslie Crowther and Mike Yarwood were all names I felt the public would adore in this critical role, and moreover, each and every one of them would have been perfect in the part. Then I remembered my old friend Tony Ainley, with whom i had once worked, an actor who already had a rather perfect false beard and moustache, so I rang him instead and popped out for a cigarette and a bottle of vodka. This being the BBC in the late 70s and early 80s, the foyer was absolutely chock-a-block with notorious paedophiles, many of them household names and all of them absolute loves. After a quick working lunch over six pints in the nearest pub, the down-at-heel lamb and dragon, I returned to my office to find a piss-soaked, drunken, curly-haired tramp waiting for me. She looked like an obvious lesbian, and she started yelling that the scripts were whippet-shit, and she'd had enough, and seven years was too long and it was time she was moving on, and I barely glanced up from my desk as I accepted the resignation of this bohemian stranger without even bothering to inquire as to who the hell she might have been. At the end of the day, I put in a request to be moved onto a different programme. Doctor Who is a demanding show, and I was anxious not to get pigeonholed or outstay my welcome. But my request was denied, so I went home and enjoyed a simple meal of vodka. And twenty Bensons. John Nettles. John Nettles' tenure as the eight secret Eighth Doctor fitted in nicely between his stints on Bergerac and Midsummer Murders, but he never tired of reminding interviewers about his time with the RSC. His portrayal of the Time Lord differed from that of his predecessors, with the character suddenly obsessed with law, order, and preposterous yet camp rural murder mystery. His era was not good. John Smith. The Doctor's preferred pseudonym while on Earth, and the name he'd always provide if pushed to give one, pretty much since the show began in the 1960s. This was, of course, because the Doctor was honouring the future leader of the British Labour Party, who sadly passed away in 1994, ushering in the era of Tony Blair. Interestingly, the Master's most often used alias throughout the show's history was Bloody Thatcher. Jadoon, the... Oh, cool, real, full, real, so go, ro vote, vote, so vote, 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 vote,